Peace, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Behold Pop Culture, the show where we take a look at some prominent people, figures, and events from pop culture today and in the past and try and see what lessons we could take away from them. Today is Friday, November the 6th, and this has been a relatively hectic week for most of America. The probably most popular topic in pop culture politics, something that I'd say everyone has a little bit of information at least about, has been on fire as we've been in election week, one of the most important weeks of the year for many people. And we have a hotly contested race as the longest election of my lifetime, at least that I was aware of, is taking place where on Friday, we still don't know who the president of the United States is expected to be. Now, this morning, on the date of this recording, two battleground states in Pennsylvania and Georgia went blue, but we truly are in a state where no one knows what's going to happen. But as always, rather than feeding into the hectic state that the country is in right now, I would rather reserve the time to emphasize that you should focus on your health, both mentally and physically in these times, and not allow the craziness of social media or the world period to take you off your track. Focus on becoming the best version of yourself and whatever that may entail, hopefully, shouldn't be derailed by whichever decision is ultimately made. And with that being said, we can jump into the first topic, the sports topic, where the NBA, despite being in its offseason, continues to find its way to make at least one headline every week. And this week, the headline that has taken over is actually something that was announced last night, just in time for me to discuss it on the podcast. They came through in the clutch for me to tell you what is taking place. So after some seemingly rigorous discussion, debate, going back and forth between the NBA higher-ups and the NBA Players Association... The Players Association has voted and agreed on starting the NBA season on December 22nd, in addition to shortening the season to 72 games, two historic results in an otherwise historic year for the National Basketball Association. Now, while for NBA fans, the presumed emotion that should be evoked out of this is joy, as potentially one of your favorite sports will be returning earlier than you expected, and we'll have a year with the most NBA basketball that we've seen, it looks like. Just to preface, I know that this decision was driven by financial gains. The NBA pretty much came to the Players Association and showed them the numbers and explained that if they did not get this start date, the financial repercussions would be massive as, for a point of reference, Stephen Curry, the point guard for the Golden State Warriors, whose contract has promised him $40 million in the next NBA year, 
it would have been reduced to $27 million, which could have some pretty significant results when you look at the smaller contracts in the NBA or players who may just be living paycheck to paycheck. So while I do enjoy the NBA, and I for sure will be watching it when it returns, it did shift my perspective slightly to wondering what does this result have on the NBA season itself? We know that the players will be playing, but will they be able to play at their best in the shortest offseason likely of their lives? We know that the NBA is not necessarily known for having injuries the way that football or the more aggressive sports are known to have produced. But there's a lot of non-contact injuries that take place in the NBA that can result from poor conditioning. Whether it's from diets or lack of discipline and continuing to train, I just Bring up the question to you, what do you think? Do you think that these NBA players can have such a quick turnaround? Essentially a month, maybe a little more than a month for the championship teams to come back and make another run? Now, the teams that are bad, like my New York Knicks, they've had the longest vacation of their lives, so I'm sure they'll be fine and be back at the same old, same old for them. But for the teams that are contenders... The teams that had to go into that bubble and be away from their families and now want as much time as they can to be with their families because the NBA is planning on flying people back out to arenas and going back to their regularly scheduled programming. So I just am hesitant with expecting a regular season from the NBA aside from it having less games and a different start time. But I hope it goes well. We have the NBA draft in about two weeks coming up. So that means that after that, all the trades that teams have been scheming on and players that want to sign and insert name here, place, everything is going to be back in order, back in action, and we'll see the teams gearing up. So that's something to keep an eye out on as pretty much Christmas, we're going to be getting the NBA back. But other than that, this season has paved the way for football. As while they would have otherwise been competing with the NBA during these current weeks, they've taken control of sports headlines for the moment. As we look into some of them, the first of which being, the Pittsburgh Steelers are shaping up to be a legitimate juggernaut. And the NFL, as they go on to be the only undefeated team left again, and this time by defeating a true contender in the Baltimore Ravens, led by the reigning NFL MVP in Lamar Jackson. Granted, the game came down to the wire, as at the end of the game, Ben Roethlisberger, the quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, led a good drive to put them up, and the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense did what it had to do, shutting down Lamar Jackson's offense to steal the game. So we'll see if that means that they are the top contender in the league, as in my opinion, the three teams that the discussion is between 
are the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Kansas City Chiefs led by former MVP Patrick Mahomes, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that just added potentially a devastating weapon in Antonio Brown. But aside from that, a team that should be undefeated in the Seattle Seahawks are continuing to surge. As MVP candidate and honestly MVP frontrunner, Russell Wilson is leading that team to winning games with an otherwise insignificant defense. Every other MVP candidate has been derailed at least once this season so far. As we've also seen this same week, the Packers, the Green Bay Packers, a team that was undefeated for a while as well, led by a MVP caliber quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, was dominated on the ground by running back Dalvin Cook for the Minnesota Vikings as he had a historic day putting up over 200 yards and four touchdowns for that team. The Packers couldn't do anything. It was, it was frankly sad to watch as they cowered in his presence. One of the most dominant dynasties in not just football history, but in sports history, and the New England Patriots also appear to be finished as they lost a close game to the Buffalo Bills. And it appears that this year is the year to have a potent offense in the National Football League, as teams that are defensively inclined have been drastically hindered by poor offenses. The Steelers have somehow found a way to squeak by as though their offense doesn't look explosive It always finds a way to score at the right times. But outside of that, it was a rather pedestrian week. Not too many crazy games, as most of the teams that should have won did. And we move on to week nine in the NFL. And with that being said, we can move on to the music section of the podcast, where last week I told you, There was a ridiculous amount of new albums that dropped, just too many for me to get to all of them. But today I've brought forth a couple of them that I did get to listen to and can share a little bit of my thoughts on what I felt from listening to the album. And we have to start with what I believe to be the best album, which I believe to be Extinction Level Event to The Wrath of God. Rapper Busta Rhymes' new album. This project was phenomenal. A contender on my list for best album of the year. This was a cohesive project. He delivered lyrically. The production was great with some historic producers coming in to contribute to it. It's a long album, but the ratio is so good regarding good to bad songs that is worth sitting through. This is an album for true hip-hop fans, people who are fans of real lyricism, hardcore rap, just delivering bars. I spoke a little bit on it last week as this was an album that, for all intents and purposes, was an urban legend. 
I had heard from a lot of people around the industry that this was the one. This was the heat pack that Busta was sitting on. This was the one that people needed to hear and we didn't know what the weight was. So I didn't know what to expect because typically I've never heard an album talked about this way behind the scenes. And unfortunately, when I hear stuff like this, I have to be skeptical. The expectations were getting unreasonable. They propped this up like it would be the album of the decade. So going in, I kept an open mind and couldn't resist the expectations in my mind completely. But luckily, it delivered. Now, it's way too early to declare it an album of the decade, but it easily moves into my top 10 albums of the year. And after some more listening, it has a clear path to being in my top three albums of the year. My top three tracks on the project right now are Look Over Your Shoulder featuring Kendrick Lamar, a approximately eight-year-old verse that's just as good as a verse he would do today, in my opinion. A very well done song with the Michael Jackson sample. He has a song called Best I Can featuring Rhapsody, telling a tale of a loving father who couldn't see his child because of tension between him and the child's mother. But instead of it being an argument between the mother and father, it was a discussion about ways that both could be better and raising this child to be a successful person on this planet. Just a heartfelt song and a perspective that I at least haven't seen in hip-hop. And lastly, his song Master Farah Muhammad featuring Rick Ross, where they speak on self-discovery, spirituality, and just being true to oneself. But other than that, there's a plethora of good songs on this project with some great features, some great production. Just overall, I have no criticism. I highly recommend it for hip-hop fans out there. This is one of those albums that can touch your spirit, touch your soul. Unfortunately, there weren't any other albums that put up these types of performances where I could say that they were contenders as well. Just to name a couple, Trippy Red released an album called Pegasus that I have little to praise on, unfortunately. Granted, Trippy Red sounded like the normal Trippy Red we know. He didn't do any crazy experimentation that failed, but without putting an exact finger on it, I was disappointed in his performance here. Even the features felt somewhat lackluster. And I am probably a little bit more critical of it because I've heard Trippy Red perform significantly better than this. I know what his potential is on an album. And this was one of my least favorite projects from him. Not that I'm a Trippy Red fan or anything to that extent, but I have heard great performances from Trippy Red. And I unfortunately cannot recommend his new album. And this is not a hot take here. Before I came to speak on it, I did check what the overall temperature is on his album. 
And it is not too hot. It's not too hot. His numbers had a solid projection starting the week, and they only declined. So hopefully that pushes him to maybe experiment a little bit more. Maybe that's what he needs to progress forward as an artist, because I do believe he has some vocal talent that can manifest itself better. And likewise, I think that King Vaughn, who released an album called Welcome to Old Block, a infamous block in Chicago, put up a decent performance. I actually, as someone who isn't well-versed in King Vaughn's catalog, was somewhat impressed. I can't say I was too impressed, but he put on a decent performance for those fans out there. And the credit I will give to him, rather than praising the overall quality of the project, is his performance as a storyteller. He's not a elite lyricist or anything that will raise eyebrows in that sense of the world of hip-hop. But as a storyteller, he tells some vivid tales of violent encounters that he claims to have had in his life. And while I'm not here to validate or invalidate those stories, the stories that he is telling are well done. And they do paint pictures in a more vivid fashion than many of his peers. So I'll give him a little bit of credit for that. And the last album that I was able to get to was the Ariana Grande album, Positions where I personally felt, and I'm walking on some thin ice here because Ariana Grande, I know, has some passionate fans that rival many other artists' fandom in terms of writing for her. But I was disappointed by this album as well, I must say. Ariana Grande's album Positions was probably her most intimate album to date and she performed vocally in terms of being able to sing that's a granted we know that she has the talent I believe she could hit that high note that the only other person I know can hit it is Mariah Carey but overall the lyricism the production I thought that it left some to be desired there Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't great songs on this project. I actually, and this might be a little bit of a hot take, but I do believe that her title track, Positions, is one of the best songs that she's ever done in her catalog, period. And 3435 was a solid song. Her song with Doja Cat Motive was solid. And Weekend had a a good appearance as well. In an attempt to be as objective as possible, typically when I judge an album, I try to judge it against an artist's prior projects in terms of quality and the hype that surrounds it. So that allows me to not critique artists for experimenting unless it comes out horrifically. It overall just allows me to judge them against themselves so I'm not using unfair measures. So in her case, I just felt like, especially lyrically, she could have performed a little bit better overall. I would say the ratio on the project was about 50% good songs, 50% songs that I won't be returning to. 
And I felt that Thank You Next, her last album, was better than this one. I liked her performance on that album a little bit more. And this is not too crazy of a critique because the album is still going number one. And as I said before, that song Positions, I think, is one of the best songs that she's made in her career. Other than that, this week there hasn't been any major releases. I assume that it's because it's election week and people somewhat wanted to pave the way for whatever was to come in regards to that. So the only project that I could see even getting some notoriety is I believe that Nav released a project or a project that I wasn't expecting. I didn't see any news on it. And I may get a chance to listen to that and give my opinion on it. But other than that, it was a a pretty regular week for music. Just a few people dropping new singles. And we can move on to the gaming section of the podcast. Because in film, all we're seeing is every movie is trying to get its release date out of 2020 by any means necessary. So don't expect anything coming up in December or November for that matter, as they are trying to aim for 2021 release dates. The only movie left that I will be keeping an eye out on is the Disney movie Soul that is supposed to drop on Disney+. So in the gaming industry, we have arrived. It is next-gen console week. We will be making the transition into next-gen gaming. The next generation is upon us as the next time I come in to record my podcast, both consoles will have been released. The Xbox Series X and Series S will be releasing on November the 10th. The PlayStation 5 will be releasing on November the 12th. As one of the most highly anticipated releases of this entire year will arrive. People will be clamoring all over their computers as PlayStation just announced there will be no in-person PlayStations to buy. Everything will be conducted online because of coronavirus. And it will be here. People have finally gotten what they've been waiting for. The content creators have gotten their demos. They're telling you what they think. Everyone's opinion is out there. And I'll just report on the last news that they've left us. The PlayStation 5 has shown that their controller is ultra sensitive this time around where even the slightest movements in some games, just taking a step in a puddle, might send a small vibration through the controller. And on the Xbox side of things, everything is going according to plan. They're pumping up their Game Pass. So this is the episode where I believe it's my responsibility to share what my perspective is on it. And by no means is this to damage one company's sales or infringe upon anything, I'm giving my true honest opinion on the next generation of consoles. So we'll start with the PlayStation 5, the one that's riding all of the hype. 
Now, I believe that everyone should be slightly cautious with going straight for the PlayStation 5. A lot of the hype that it's riding off of is the PlayStation 4's hype. The PlayStation 4, by many opinions, outperformed the Xbox, mainly because of exclusives, but overall console performance, it did better. So a lot of people are expecting more of the same with the PlayStation 5. I would, as I said before, I would be cautious of this because we've seen a lot of the times companies flip. The companies that are performing the best get comfortable. The companies that are performing the worst or worse get better. So while I believe that the PlayStation 5 will be better this generation. It's largely because of exclusives, which means I'm keeping an open mind to the Xbox because there's a very clear path for them to win this out. It's not at all a dominant race by the PlayStation. They just, by default, have to be the favorite because of their performance prior. And frankly... Just to be fair, on the launch day of the first slate of games that will be coming out, the exclusives are skewed towards the PlayStation 5, with the biggest of them being the Spider-Man Miles Morales game that's slated to come out. I've grown to be a fan of the console's design, and overall, I think that they did a great job with their marketing. They, As I announced last week, they partnered with Travis Scott. They're doing everything they can to convince that they can maintain the value that they offered in the last generation. Now, the ever-controversial Xbox that's riding off of probably its poorest performance in the console wars the console wars that we hype up because we have our preferences. This is a redemption year for Xbox. And what could be the largest jump console-wise for a long time, because we can't ignore the rise of PC gaming, Xbox has to do excellent. They have to be flawless here. Now, Xbox has a great value proposition. The Game Pass. You pay a small fee, you get access to more games than you can even imagine. That's the big proposition that's going to be swaying a lot of people. So they're going for the subscription-based format, which many businesses are still undecided on if that's the optimal format. But that aside, for the consumer... If you're trying to get bang for your buck, the Game Pass might be the answer. We'll see what is slated on the Game Pass, how good the games are, but from the confirmed ones, it looks solid. So the Xbox is coming with the Game Pass. They have a better price. If you buy the cheaper version, they offer a lower price than the PlayStation 5. Now, it's $100 cheaper, so... I suggest that if you're choosing which console to get strictly off of how much it costs, you might need to shift your priorities a little bit as if $100 is deciding it, maybe you shouldn't be investing in a console in the first place. But we can't ignore the fact 
that they're offering a better price. The design is a box. I can't say too much about the design. And the Xbox has continued to dominate in terms of the controller as the Xbox One controller was better than the PlayStation controller. The Xbox 360 controller was better than the PlayStation 3 controller. So to me, the most decisive factor outside of the fact that Xbox has taken the advantage price-wise and offering-wise with the Game Pass is what do the exclusives have to offer? Because PlayStation was killing Xbox by offering all the games that Xbox had and some Game of the Year candidate exclusives. Now, Xbox made what I believe to be the play of the year in the gaming industry. And I'm open to being wrong if this isn't the case, but so far I think this was the play of the year. By acquiring several gaming studios that will allow them to offer exclusive games. Microsoft, a company that's more close to PC gaming than PlayStation is, will now be able to offer not just exclusive big name title games, but they will be able to optimize them for the Xbox, for their tablets, and for their PCs. I saw a game, it was a, a Ant Bully-esque game where they allow you to be playing on your Xbox and pick up right where you left off on your tablet if you're going on a plane or something. That is optimization that the PlayStation does not have at the moment. And that largely, the success of it is largely dependent on how many people adopt the tablets that they're offering, how many people adopt PC gaming where they can optimize it, but that's a big play for Microsoft. So they can offer you potentially better optimization, potentially legitimate contending exclusives if they play their cards right, and potentially a price advantage. So everything is set up where if Microsoft can execute with producing high-quality games the way that PlayStation does with their exclusives, they could make their stride here and take over as the number one again. It's not clear who is going to execute, and both executions will require some flawless performance, but I personally believe that Microsoft is currently set up in a way that if both consoles is exclusives, were on even playing fields, if they were equally as great or equally as bad for that matter, Microsoft would get the nod because of the additional things, the optimization, the price advantage, and the game pass. So in the closing of the hype behind these consoles, if I get a chance to get my hands on one of them, I will be choosing the PlayStation 5. But that's solely because of how dominant PlayStation was for the last generation. So it'll be easier for me to transfer everything over, etc., etc. But I am very open to being wrong about that decision. 
and giving the nod to Xbox if they execute the way I would like them to be. Because if every company is performing at its best, the real winners are the consumers. We get the best games, the best performance. We want the consoles, the companies to be successful for our greater good. So good luck if you're going to be trying to get one of these consoles. And with the only other notable news in gaming being the highly anticipated cyberpunk game being pushed back, we can end this episode of the podcast. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope that you're staying healthy in lieu of everything that's going on in the world. Let me know what you think. Leave a like, leave a review, or just let me know personally what you think. Send me a message. Any advice, any feedback is always appreciated as I am continuing to try and get better. I appreciate you taking out your time, and I'll talk to you next week. This is Behold Pop Culture.